individuals who were shy before or not so confident before find their confidence through the game. And that starts to grow in their interactions with other people. And individuals with disabilities may have language barriers, physical barriers, sensory barriers. When they engage differently through the sport of hockey, they're able to take that experience off the ice. And when they take that experience off the ice, they grow more with their community and they grow their confidence and they grow their job skills and they grow the quality of their life. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Jen O'Brien, the executive director at the American Special Hockey Association, or ASHA as it's also called. Jen serves nationally and her advocacy supports organizations and athletes with special needs as they strive to achieve their goals with the coolest game on ice. During her tenure with ASHA, Jen has helped them grow to support over 100 established special hockey clubs throughout the U.S., and she has also grown over a dozen new ones. As awareness increases about special hockey, so will opportunities for more people to become involved and actively help grow access to the sport they love. I have personally known Jen for over a decade, and she is truly a giver and always looking to help others. I cannot wait to share our conversation with you. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the distinct pleasure of being with Jennifer O'Brien, the executive director of the American Special Hockey Association, or ASHA for short. Thanks for being here today, Jen. Really grateful to have the time to spend with you. Yeah, it's awesome. It's not every day that we meet folks who are involved, nor have I spoke with before, people involved with the American Special Hockey Association. And this may be something new to most people out there. But before we jump into that, can you tell us about your path? What did you do? What made you come and become the executive director of ASHA? Well, like everybody, it's always a winding path to get where you land. And so I started working with individuals with developmental disabilities in upstate New York about 15 years ago. And obviously, I'm a hockey fan. And we were working with the AHL affiliate here in Binghamton, the Binghamton Senators at the time. And we were doing all kinds of things with them. And then as they moved on to Belleville, and the Devils came on board, we decided to start a special hockey team about a year before the transition. And we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we just knew that we loved hockey and we, we had individuals who wanted to play and immediately got on the ice. And then one person connected to another and I got a call from the founder of ASHA and then got involved with ASHA. And over a little bit of time, they called one day and said, hey, would you like to consider being the executive director of ASHA? And it came at a good time in my life to make a transition. And it's been an amazing opportunity ever since. Awesome. Well, you know, timing is sometimes everything, right? It is. I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what is ASHA all about? What is the American Special Hockey Association all about? Well, it's always a good question when people ask me that because it's kind of a little bit of everything. So I often say that we're kind of like a chamber of commerce for special hockey. We serve over a hundred teams in the United States from Canada. I mean, I should go back here from, we serve over a hundred teams from Alaska to Florida. 
And we go from San Jose all the way up to the main New Hampshire border. So we crisscross the country. Our teams are for individuals with developmental and physical disabilities who would otherwise not be able to play on a team. So we make sure that everybody has a place in hockey and we take care of all of the special things that happen in special hockey, whether that be adaptive equipment, equipment, ice, training, all the things that are specific to working safely so everybody can have a great time on the ice and be a part of the game. Wow. So this basically, you're an outlet to anybody and everybody who wants to try hockey, whether if you have an issue or disability or an inability, your goal is to get them on the ice and allow them to have that opportunity, it sounds like. It is. And one of my biggest job is to make sure that I'm listening. So with all of our teams, we have an incredible collective knowledge. So when somebody in New Hampshire says, well, I want to start a new team, and they start talking about the people that are coming and being, you know, coming to their team, I can match them with people who are doing that kind of activity in other in other cities. Right. So we don't have to reinvent a lot of wheels. What we do is we really use that collective knowledge to support and sustain these organizations. So we went from 55 teams three years ago to uh, there's 105 currently that are registering with us. And we've gone from about 2,500 athletes to over 5,000 registrants. That is amazing. I am all in favor of anything that expands the sport, expands involvement, gets more kids, people, anybody involved with the sport of hockey. I think I remember a couple of years ago, my wife and I went to Vegas and we were there for the Western Conference. I think it was the finals between the Vegas Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. And just seeing the number, sheer number of people in Vegas wearing jerseys and excited about hockey, I remember walking around through the streets with her and just saying, oh man, this is so good for hockey. That's all I really care about is expanding the sport. And thank you for what you're doing for the sport. Now, I'm sure this comes up often. Is there any connection between ASHA and the NHL? Is there any line drawn between the two of you? Well, there isn't a line drawn between us. There's certainly a line connecting us. So we are partnered with the NHL through the Hockey is Every Hockey is for Everyone initiatives and through all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. So I'm an active member as well with the Youth Hockey Inclusion Committee, which there's been quite a lot of talk about what's going on with the NHL and trying to change the culture of the game. And they really are a fantastic partner with us as well as the AHL. So we will be doing more with the AHL. Obviously, this season's a little bit bumpy for everybody. One thing that we talk a lot with the NHL and the AHL markets, which are the different clubs, is that come and see how our teams are working because we're really good at changing on the fly. We're really good at meltdowns. We're really good at complete, like, we can't do it this way. We have to completely change how we're going to be doing things. So we've really had an excellent opportunity here to really show some of what our skill sets are to help the larger hockey community kind of get through a pandemic and changes. And how do you change environments to make people more safe? That Well, that's something that we do all the time. Sure. What are some of the ways that you get support or help from the NHL or the AHL? And how do you guys work together? What does that look like? Well, it really is a give and take partnership. So so what a lot of the things that we have been doing with them have to do with more engagement up until now. I mean, up until the pandemic, it was about engagement opportunities. One of my favorite stories, obviously, is with the New Jersey Devils in December of 2019, which feels like forever ago. 
but it was mm-hmm. really the last major event that I had in person. We actually did a what we call six activations. So normally you see one thing happen with between any organization on a game day. We did six in one night. So first, kudos to those guys for being brave to take us on for six. And speaking of Vegas, we had the Vegas special hockey team fly in from Vegas to New Jersey that night just to go to the Vegas Devils game because it was International Day of Disabilities for 2019. One of the things that we did with that market was we wanted to work with them about showing them how individuals with disabilities who've learned good job skills through their hockey, how they could work within the environment at a game day. So we had Evan and Yasser did the game call. Colleen Bryan did pictures down below. We had another individual helping organize all these people. And we had over 281 people there that night. And these are people who are, you're saying, the people that you are naming are people who are involved in ASHA in your organization. And they were taking part in a game day for an NHL team and got the opportunity to see what it was like to experience that role in an NHL organization that night, right? Not only experience it live and in person, being an actual participant in it. Right. They didn't have to watch from the corner and getting the AHL and the NHL and the AHL really started it with the Binghamton Devils, obviously had a part with Evan's story as well, but really working with these markets to realize that there are individuals that have amazing abilities that they may overlook mm-hmm. based on perception that could really be assets to their organizations. And so that was an opportunity for us to work with the NHL and the HL, both to really kind of broaden their reach, both in who they can have involved with their game day, but also getting creative and how they can widen their audience. Right. Now, when you said earlier, you know, they got involved with the Devils during that game, six activations. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. It's always, activations are really, it's kind of an in-house term and I should explain that. But every time you see something like where it would be a mites on ice or something like that, and we call those activations, we're activating something, Mm -hmm. whether that be a partnership, whether that be an engagement of some kind. And so when we're talking about what we do at an NHL game, when it's all, everything's happening at one time, we have what we call little different activations. And normally we pull off one, right? (laughs) not Six. And it included Keon Sethi was uh, got to meet PK. He is also the Sports Illustrated Youth Reporter, and he is one of our junior coaches. We had 200-some-odd players from the New Jersey area teams there. We had the Vegas group there. We had Mites on Ice there. We had Colleen doing photographs. We had Evan doing <laughs> it was everything at once. And it took a lot of trust between our organizations to pull that off. And really proud of that night and proud of the fact that even this past year, in December, they replayed some of that, obviously. It's been a different year for content, so we were able to kind of bring that back, which means that the activities that we're doing have a shelf life. It's not just a one-off. It's it's something that we've built relationships. And that's the thing that's really special about individuals with disabilities in hockey is that they're true fans. And they're true teammates and they're in it for the long haul. They're not like, okay, they're going for the Stanley Cup. We're going to cheer for them now. They're right. here for their team no matter what. Well, hopefully shortly you can have another event with six activations coming up soon. Hopefully we'll see that in the near future. So how do you obtain funds to run the organization? Where do donations come from? Because my sense is, I mean, are you predominantly fundraising driven or where do you get your funds to operate? Well, all of our funds for this come from grassroots donations, 100%. And we have a couple of grants here and there that we go for. We've had a couple of festivals that actually end up being fundraisers for us that I've done. 
but almost all of it comes from grassroots. We charge no membership fees and we do not actively try to undermine any of our local teams. So we have to, any fundraising we have to do has to be kind of nationally based and grassroots because if I have a local organization that has a local corporation, I want to match them together. So we have a couple good partners coming online. Hockey players and business is a big piece of what we are looking forward to in this upcoming season and moving forward. And we're working with more corporate, larger national sponsors now. But we do everything that we do on less than $60,000, $70,000 a year in cash. Last year, we delivered over $3 million in value on that $60,000 in cash for all volunteer organization, obviously. Right. But it gets better every year. We're definitely growing. Bauer Hockey is probably our largest, most important supporter. Can't thank them enough. In the last two years, well over $500,000 worth of brand new equipment has been distributed through ASHA. There's a donation of Bauer by Bauer to teams, not just special hockey teams. We share them with any team that would need it as far as as long as our hockey is for everyone, we kind of uh, focus there first. So whether it be warrior or disabled hockey, we want to make sure everybody has a chance to get new equipment. So Bauer has been a huge partner with us and they're going to continue. And that's been a great relationship. So how do we raise the money? Relationships, 100% trust and relationships. Right. Well, you've had a great return on investment. Sixty, seventy thousand dollars to three million is a fantastic return on investment. So people and our listeners can certainly see that you make those dollars go a long way, which is great. And it's excellent to hear that equipment manufacturers like Bauer and suppliers to the game are a big support of you. In full disclosure, both my boys wear uh, Bauer, their custom skates. So we're a big fan of Bauer in, in my household for sure. And they weren't sponsored. We paid full freight for those. So... <laughs> Hopefully the fact that we did that helped them make the decision to support your organization. And that's great. So you said that you've grown to over 100 or 100 plus organizations locally that have teams that are under the ASHA charter, if you will, or follow the ASHA way. Does that basically mean no matter where I am in the country, if I have a special needs or I'm in a disabled situation and I really want to learn or somebody in my family wants to learn or wants to get out and play hockey, they can? Is, is there a local organization close enough to just about everyone at this point? Yes and no. There are concentration points. So if you say anywhere, no. But if you called me and said that you wanted to find one and there wasn't one there, I get hands on with you until you have one. And that is consistent. Like we've started, we have, you know, with COVID, you'd think we'd have no startups. We actually have six going mm -hmm. on right now. And COVID gave us the gift of time. You know, and people don't really think it was, and any of this has been a gift. Well, this has been a gift of time for us. So we're being able to build some organizations much more strongly because we have lots of time to kind of put those foundations in place. So we have a new team in Idaho going in. We have Iowa. There's another team that's interested. We have a couple more in the Carolinas going in. There's one in Texas that has been calling. And it's just kind of slow and steady about how do we build that organization? What do they need? And we're not just on the ice. I mean, we're looking at street hockey programs and growing our game off the ice as well, mainly to take some of the pressure off of, of our local rinks that the ice time obviously has changed. So we want to make sure that we have consistent engagement. So right. the partnerships that we're working on, obviously, are off the ice as well. So making sure that we have the appropriate equipment and everything that they need. Working a lot about recycling equipment as well and making sure that everybody across the country has something. We may have somebody in Connecticut who has lots 
And someone in Idaho who has very little. So we want to make sure we get it from point A to point B. And we get a lot of support for that as well. So if I'm a family looking to get somebody involved in the sport of hockey, period, my first reach out is to you guys directly to see if you can partner me up with a local organization or at least one that's close enough. And then what if there's not, you give them the option to start investigating starting their own? Is that how it works? Exactly how it works. And so we have a really easy website. It's specialhockey.org. So if you go to specialhockey.org, there's going to be instructions on how do you start a team if you can't find one. And anytime anybody hits that contact button, it goes right to my phone and it goes to our assistant director's phone. So one of the two of us get back to people really quick. We want to make sure that they know that we care. Right. Now, if I'm somebody who either I want to participate or have a family member that wants to participate, is there a cost for them to participate? Is it fully funded on their behalf through ASHA? How does that work? Well, it really depends on the local team. So each local team is its own organization. So we're a 501c3 not-for-profit. And then every one of our members are also their own 501c3, some of them that we're incubating as they're growing. So it really depends on the organization. About 50% of our teams are no cost. About 25% of our teams are low cost. And some of them are pretty, you know, we have about 25% are pretty consistent with our local associations, mainly because they're run by the local associations. So that, you know, but there are a lot of scholarships available. Nobody has ever been turned away for the lack of the ability to pay from any ASHA team that I know of. And if that happens, I would get a phone call and we would figure out how to make that work. But as it stands, we want to make sure it's affordable for everybody, but also sustainable. If everything doesn't cost anything and is for free, there's less buy-in. And when we talk about people who invest into our mission, we steward that and we steward that carefully. So we want to make sure that everybody values the time and the effort of the volunteers, the people who fiscally support, whether you know, in kind or not. We want to make sure that every player on the ice understands that they are valued and everyone who is working with our organizations are also valued. So the cost, well, it's all priceless. I know that sounds corny, but it's true. But we make sure it's affordable for everybody, no matter what level it is that they're at. But there is no cost to actually be a member of ASHA. And that is something we're very, we make sure that the any out-of-pocket costs happen at the local level. Right. Okay. I agree with you. I think if those who can pay should, those who maybe not, maybe it's still a good opportunity to get them on the ice. And everything's different in different areas. You know, out here on Long Island, where I'm located, ice time's probably around 400 plus dollars an hour. And you go to other parts of the country and it's around $100 an hour. So there could be a very widely ranging cost of what it actually costs to put somebody on the ice to begin with. Forget about all the equipment and everything else that goes along with it. That's a whole nother story, but it's a very wide ranging cost for sure. Listen, I know and you know I played hockey all my life. My kids have been involved with the sport. And I think that you would agree from our conversations over the years that, you know, there are so many benefits from playing sports. I tend to think because I'm a little bit biased, but I think that there are even more so from hockey. You know, how have you seen hockey impact the lives of those that are involved with ASHA? Maybe you could tell our listeners maybe a story or two about a direct situation where you've seen a specific impact to a specific kid or person or adult, anybody? 
Well, that's probably my favorite question that ever gets asked of me, although there's not enough time in this podcast to go through all of the stories. Sure. But I want to talk about this weekend, if I could, this past weekend, which is we have lots of time that I spend on the ice, like everybody for every weekend. But every weekend that I have, there's going to be a story. But I got a call from a mom who said they have a local little pond literally in the woods and her daughter goes to go play and her daughter has Down syndrome. And her daughter often plays alone. And literally, it's a pond on a path down the woods. And two young boys who are like 12 years old came down the path to play. And next thing you know, they're playing. Now, it was 12 degrees and they were out there for three hours. Those two boys did not see Down syndrome. They just saw a teammate. And one of the boys was African-American. The other boy was a white kid wearing a Bruins jersey. And then we have this young lady who was playing. And what was interesting is that she kept sending me pictures. And what was great was the amount of communication that was happening. And we find that individuals who were shy before or not so confident before find their confidence through the game. And that starts to grow in their interactions with other people. And individuals with disabilities may have language barriers, physical barriers, sensory barriers. When they engage differently through the sport of hockey, they're able to take that experience off the ice. And when they take that experience off the ice, they grow more with their community and they grow their confidence and they grow their job skills and they grow the quality of their life. And but what's really crucial about this was the sound of that mother's joy that, ah, you know, it's going to be okay. And I think no matter if you have a kid with a disability or not, when you look at your kid succeeding and being on a team with somebody else and you see it all working, we all get that sense of, oh, it's going to be okay. And right now with this pandemic, I think we all are craving that feeling of, oh, something, something is okay and normal. And the whole weekend was full of these videos coming off the ice. And um, it went from one day to two days and from one player to two players to three. And at the end, there are about 10 kids on the ice all playing. And it was completely spontaneous. And nobody noticed who had a disability and who didn't have a disability or who was one ethnic group versus another ethnic group. They were all hockey players. The only thing they knew was one was a Caps fan, one was a Bruins (laughs) fan, and one was a Penguins fan. That could be more deadly than anything else. (laughs) And that's the only thing that they were noticing. And they were comparing cellies. Right. And to watch a young woman with Down syndrome doing the Kuznetsov, you know, bird celly. Right. That's a whole thing. I can't even do that (laughs) on a pond, which isn't even even ice. Right. And that celebration of I am physically able. I am accepted for who I am. And my celly is just as good as anybody else's. And so when you ask about why hockey, because Brian McBride says this all the time, hockey is the great equalizer. Every no one's born on skates. We all fall and we all have to get back up. And we all fall equally and we all get back up equally. So why hockey? Well, especially with Asha, we're all equal. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. how we approach our game. I've heard people talk about hockey and its special nature. And one of the things that you hit on was if you play baseball or soccer or track or name any host of sports, a lot of them are dealing with things that we just naturally know how to do, walking or running or things like that. 
hockey, you actually have to learn how to skate before you can even play the game, unless you're talking about street hockey and not being on the ice. I'm, I'm just talking about specifically ice hockey. So once you get that bar, there's almost like this mutual respect for everybody who can do that because it's like, wow. Oh, my God, you can do that. Now, this gal that you're talking about, was she reaching out to you because she was involved with ASHA already or she was looking to get involved because of this experience? What was the connection there that made the mom reach out to you? This gal has been involved with ASHA for quite a while. She's actually quite well known. Once upon a time, she once asked Alex Ovechkin out for a sushi date. (laughs) A lot of people actually know who she might be in the Washington area. But what she is, is just she is a hockey player, first and foremost. She's even invited on to her high school JV team now, which is just so exciting to to see her her using hockey as a place to grow. And, And in other areas as well. There's a player in the in the New York City area who is nonverbal, who uses hockey as a way to really get out of his shell and communicate. And I was watching the news one day, like everybody else. It was 9-11. They were doing the memorial. And William stood up in front of everybody with his iPad and did the tri- um, tribute to his father using his iPad mm-hmm. at the 9-11 memorial. And he's one of our players. And knowing that he, you know, where did he get that courage? Well, I think he got a little bit of it from being able to be around the larger group and not being afraid about being using his communication device in front of everybody to get his point across. He does that to me every time I see him at a hockey game. He's, you know, every time I see him, he's got that thing right in my face. He's telling me all the things I need to remember to do. And I love that I have that experience and it's a real honor and it's a real privilege because they trust me and I'll never find better teammates. And yeah. It's not just her, it's him, it's them, it's all. Every player that comes across has a story of why it means something to them, but it is the great equalizer. That's uh, great stuff. So before I move on, did she get the date with Alex or no? She did. All right. See? They've been been friends ever since. Hockey players are good people. I (laughs) hesitated in asking the question, but I was fairly confident that the answer was yes, because that's the way hockey players are for the most part. So I thought I'd be okay and safe. She is the reason why Alex is one of our biggest. I mean, you always hear about how much support Alex gives to special hockey, and she certainly introduced him to us years ago, and he continues to be a great support as do the Washington Capitals. That's awesome. I mean, listen, one of my boys played for an organization and one of them does now where normally, I think it's in February, typically they do a buddy skate where they bring in folks that have disabilities. There's no age ban. So it could be kids all the way up to adults into the rink. And typically, I believe the Bantams and the midget players will uh, typically skate with them and assist them for the evening. And the smiles that we saw during that event over the couple of years that we or our kids took part in it was amazing. And I don't even mean just the smiles on the people that came in to skate those that those de- those days, the folks with the disabilities or the inabilities, whatever, however you want to term it. I'm even talking about my kids, the smiles on their face, knowing that they were helping somebody do and get involved with and be able to skate and get involved with the sport that they love. It was just as rewarding for them and the players as it was for the people that come in for the buddy skate. It's just a uh, truly remarkable night and day of the year that we always look forward to when they were involved with that organization and are involved with that organization. So something you get to experience on an everyday basis. So I, I appreciate that and I appreciate you. 
So let me ask you, what are the next steps for ASHA? How do you want to expand the reach, the depth and breadth of the services and continue to have a positive impact on these people's lives? You know, is there a next step in growing it? Well, there is a next step. It's momentum. You know, we're going to continue to build on the momentum that we have and we're going to continue to grow as much as we get requests for. But it's continue. Our next step is really, really taking it. We came from a foundation. I took over from the founder who did a great job at building our foundation. And now it's about how do you build the rest of the house in a way that's sustainable. And as you know, when you have an organization that starts from a founding, a founder, there's one set of energy that kind of makes it happen. And then the next stage is really about using that energy to kind of propel the organization to something that's, you know, strongly sustainable. So our next step really is, is taking a look to partnering with the larger hockey community. There's a lot of talk about changing hockey culture. Well, we want to grow and expand hockey culture with our partners and be an active part of it. I have to say we like our little piece of real estate. We know what we are. We know what we do. We know how we can be beneficial. And it's about how we better connect with everybody. So to your point earlier, is it's not just about the individuals on the ice. It's about the families. It's about the people who come in contact. It's about the junior players. And I, and, and so I'd like to say one, one wonderful story is every event that we have, there's always that brand new parent who stands alone at the end of the ice. And they're staring there and they're looking at their kid and they're praying to God that nothing big happens. They're used to meltdowns. They're used to some crisis and they're used to being alone in that crisis. And in Asha, there's something called the stinky sock penalty. And what happens is, is that when somebody knows there's a new player on the ice, everybody, no matter what team you're on, knows that at some point that new kid gets to score their goal. And it's got to be real. You can't just set it up and, you know, you can't like do like, you have to make it real. So stinky sock penalties are real. We all have stinky socks. So stinky (laughs) socks penalties are real or too many sticks on the ice. That's another one. But what happens is, is that inevitably it will be one of the veteran players who will start to, when someone starts stealing the puck all the time, because they don't always know not to, right? Starts getting that puck back in front of the kid that needs to score. And all of a sudden that parent starts to see the opposing team helping their kid. And everybody knows who's been around long enough, there's a hush that happens and everybody starts watching and it might be like putt-putt golf, but eventually that kid will score the goal. And when that happens, that parent will turn around and see that there's probably about 10 parents now standing just the right distance behind them cheering them on as much as we're all cheering on that kid. And there isn't a dry eye in the house every time it happens and everybody just cheers and we all know it's going to be okay. And that is what we're doing. We're just slowly building the momentum and helping each team, wherever they are, get to their goal and to continue to reach out and to continue to grow, but also encourage people to get more involved with us and see how being involved with us will benefit them not only on the ice, but off the ice. Our junior coaches go on. They have lots of skills that they've learned in their game that they turn into leadership skills or they turn into communication skills. All those things us coaches have been telling them all of a sudden have some kind of different context. We want to build that up. We want to build the parents up. And so we connect to our wider wider community. So that's where we're going. And that's how we're going to get there. I think that is an awesome, bold goal, and I don't see anything in your way of achieving it. And we'll be watching you and watching the organization in the coming months and the coming years to come to make sure that you're on that path. So, Jen, we end every show with the same question. We ask everybody the same question. 
What did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? What did I do today? Well, I opened my text messages to more pictures of this pond hockey game (laughs) to kind of remind me about where we started. A simple game, just a lot of love for it and how we're going to be including others. And so my mindset started by focusing on my why. That's awesome. And in my own mind, picturing what those pictures look like. And I know that if those showed up on my phone, that would certainly bring me a lot of joy as well. So listen, there are people out here. We have a lot of people listening who are hockey people, right? They love the game. They love the sport. If they're looking to get involved with ASHA, they're looking to make a donation to ASHA to help support you and the organization and get involved, where do they go? Where do they go to do that and learn more? Specialhockey.org. Simply put, just go to specialhockey.org. If you have any needs or anything, hit that contact button and you'll be getting right to me. Everything's there and we'll have everything in the show notes. I will tell you, I've known Jen for 10 plus years, if not more, and she is a giver. So she won't be as forthright as I will. Please help her organization make a donation. If you love the game, let's help others experience the game too. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us. I appreciate your time and make it a great day. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Jen O'Brien for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Jen is a true example of someone that wants to leave the world a better place. Whether it's through her own business and personal endeavors or her work as the executive director of the American Special Hockey Association, ASHA, she's constantly impacting lives in a positive way. ASHA and Jen O'Brien can be found across all social media platforms, and I encourage you to take a look and think about supporting this great organization as they rely heavily on donations from the public. And as always, all of the contact information can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.